The Entrepreneur Adventure, giving entrepreneurs the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. Have you ever sat down with someone and as you were talking to them, realized, just in your head, you didn't say it out loud, maybe you did, I don't know, I think this person's a genius. They're successful and they make it seem so laid back, so casual, so simple, so easy. Well, today, my friend, you're gonna get that chance. And no, I'm not talking about listening to me. I'm talking about the interview we have with Mr. Rain Strider. Rain is a real estate professional. He's been at the top of his game and the top of the market for over 15 years. And you're gonna see why when you hear what Rain has to say in this interview. I'm your host of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, Josh Melton, the side gig prophet, accompanied by my good friend and business partner, Mr. Chad Brown, the serial CFO. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear from Rain today because your mind will be blown. The genius is simple. And we're gonna talk about how to stay at the top of your game. Here's the interview. Welcome, Rain. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And uh, I was just kidding about the uh, just Rain, but that, that's <laughs> most people can't pronounce my last name correctly, so uh, I just go with Rain, and that's worked pretty well so far. So we just go like that. Well, well full <laughs> disclosure, I learned today I've been pronouncing it wrong for about two years. That's right. So. <laughs> and, you know, as long as people are saying it with a smile, I don't correct them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Well, I think for me. I want to know a little more about your past. Uh, obviously, you're not from Athens. Uh, I believe the New York, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, New York City. And uh, my mother was English and my father was from Brooklyn. And uh, on another episode, I'll tell you their story, which is a better story than any story you've ever heard, but we won't have time for all that today. Oh, that's great. Um, but uh, anyway, then, then I came to University of Georgia and uh, got a, a degree in secondary English education. So I was a high school teacher and a coach for 10 years in Atlanta and uh, outside of Atlanta and then here at Athens, in Athens at uh, Clark Central for four years. Okay. And uh, during that time, I, I married my wonderful wife, uh, who I'm happily to report that we're still married and uh, she was in grad school here and uh, I was teaching at Clark Central and uh, we kind of stuck around Athens because it's a good place to live. How does a kid from New York City get to Athens, Georgia? That's my first yeah, question. Yeah, what yeah, made you yeah. choose UGA? Yeah. So my, my go-to line is that the Pearl officer dropped me off at the county line and said, <laughs> don't, don't cross this. Uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but I made it south. I had a, a friend of the family who I actually lived with uh, for the last couple of years in high school. And I moved to, uh, believe it or not, Clemson, South Carolina. Okay. And I was, uh, if you've seen the movie Footloose, it was a little bit like that, where the kid from somewhere <laughs> else comes in. I had a pretty thick New York accent. And uh, I, I ended up going two years of high school there. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, would come down to Athens to listen to music and go to sporting events because Athens was a fun town back then like it is now. And uh, I thought I'd always go back up north to college, but once I got down here and, you know, the weather was nice. And back then, UGA, you basically had to have a pulse and a pen to get in. And so uh, <laughs> they they offered me on the spot, and, and I came over here and uh, went out 
had a good time and said, oh, I think I'll probably go there instead of going to like, you know, my brother went to Cornell out okay. in upstate New York. It's freezing. And, uh, so you did black sheep with the family. It sounds uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say black sheep maybe, but, uh, cause there's not too many of us. There's only, you know, I only got one brother, but uh, no, I mean, my family was a little bit surprised, but when they came down here to visit, they're like, it's pretty nice. You know, it's, it's uh, middle of February and it was 65 degrees. And so they couldn't really argue too much, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's actually where I, uh, I met my wife, um, in Clemson, and we we uh, we ended up dating later in life, but uh, but anyway. So then I was a, a school teacher and coach for ten years, and then her job <clears throat> is uh, she works for the military. Okay. She is a uh, cognitive experimental psychologist, and so she works with the military on things like human performance and uh, analyzing behavior patterns of people and why they do certain things. Um, and she got an offer to go to Pensacola to do cryptology. So if everybody out there in the radio land doesn't know what cryptology is, it's kind of like code cracking and Interesting. Um, the beautiful mind type of stuff, looking up and trying to figure out who's tapping into who and what they're saying and things like that. So she's a smart lady. Can't wait to have her on the podcast. Uh, yeah, right? I, I yeah. am uh, she would have to be and intimidated yeah, all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you should be. Uh, yeah, she was, so we had to go through some security clearance checks and stuff like that because her, her job down there would be pretty high level. Um, so that was, uh, that was the end of my 10th year teaching, and we had talked about, um, she had been offered this job a couple times before, but each time it was during the school year. Sure. And I said, you know, I don't feel right about leaving my school during the school year because I'd been around teaching long enough to know that if you have a long-term substitute, the kids just suffer, you know? Yeah. So I said, no, nah, you know, we, I said, I'll, I, we, we can't do that. But they did come to us at the end of the school year, and that was right around when the Navy school was closing in Athens okay and they said uh, well we've got this offer for you now and it's the end of the year and your husband can go get a job in Pensacola so I went down to Pensacola and got a job offer to be a coach and a teacher at Gulf Breeze High School outside of Pensacola sounds nice it was very nice uh, went down there and uh, came back and we were gonna pack up and move we had two and a half kids at that point. And, uh, you know, I was enjoying life in Athens, but this was good for her. So I gave my notice at Clark Central uh -huh. at, when the school year finished. And uh, school was already over, and I went in and talked to the principal, who I had great respect for, and I said, you know, I want to give you this heads up like the second day after the school year finished so that you can spend all summer finding a really good replacement because sometimes... If you wait till the last two weeks before the school year starts, you can imagine what your, sure. you know, your offerings are going to be. So they were surprised, and I was kind of surprised too. But it all happened pretty quickly, and uh, and so then we were ready to move. And so a couple of weeks went by, and I said to my wife, uh, "So how does this work? Like, do I go down there and find a place for us to live, and then they move us? Because that's what I've heard with the military." And she says, "Well, let me find out." So they, she called them and they said, well, he, you know, you have the job, 
we just have to interview people for it. And, but you're the one that's going to get it. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, I said, what does that mean? She's like, well, that's just kind of how the military works. Sometimes they just have to check some boxes. And I said, all right, well, what, what type of time frame?" So she called them back and they said, well, it could be six weeks. It could be six months, <laughs> you know, but you have the job. Don't worry. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, we were half pregnant there, you know, about, mm -hmm. you know, halfway through. And so we were kind of staring in the face of either I was going to take our two young daughters and live in an apartment waiting for them to move us. And she's going to have a baby in Athens by herself. Oh, my word. Or I was going to move to Pensacola and be a coach and start the school year, you know, in July. And she's going to be here with two small daughters and a have the baby without me. If you've ever had a baby, that doesn't usually go over well. <laughs> no, great <laughs> options there. It's not great plan. Yeah, yeah. So we had to sort of abort that mission. And I went back over to Clark Central to talk to the principal, who is, you know, someone I really respected and admired. And I walked in and I was thinking, oh, this will be all right. I'll just go back and get my job because sure. it's only been a couple weeks, you know. And the first thing she told me was she said, uh, we just hired the best person to replace you. I'll, I'll, we, we can't replace you because you're so great. And she gave me all these nice things. But this woman's really good, too, you know. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited for you. And I walked out of there. I was like, well, damn, I'm unemployed. <laughs> so that's this how I got a, into real estate. This is amazing. So you are not, like, pulled into real estate. You no, have no, no. a strong entrepreneur desire to, like, be the number one agent in town or no. or in, in this this area. You you had a passion for teaching. It sounded like you yeah, really I love enjoyed teaching, teaching and yeah, coaching. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a great fit. Life was great, and a curveball came down. And uh, uh, so, all right, you, you're walking out of there. You're unemployed. <laughs> what do you do next? What? How did you end up on the real estate side? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I thought about other things. Uh, that was, you know, I mean, you got two kids, and I guess with teaching, you do get paid twelve months a year. So I was mm -hmm. getting paid for two months. Okay. Yeah, not a whole lot, but I was getting paid. So I had not a, not a massive amount of panic, but a small amount. And I said, well, you know, what do I see myself doing? I mean, what do, I got to figure something out. And part of the allure of real estate, which is the same as it is today, is that the entry is easy. Sure. You know, I mean, not to knock anyone out there that might have failed their real estate test, but it's not that hard to test. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can get your degree online. You pay the money. They send you the courses. You click through the modules. You get to the end, you know, and then you go down to the state, and take a test in Atlanta and now you got a real estate license. So the path of least resistance. It was pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, you know, look, it was. It, it was pretty easy. Now, I will say that today, and Josh probably can correct me if I'm wrong, but we have, I think we have over a thousand real estate agents in, in mm -hmm. Athens alone, in a town of a hundred plus thousand. It's crazy. Is a huge number because the path to get in is pretty sure. simple. There was a stat range. This is yeah. I think this is 2012. It's amazing to me. The MLS in San Francisco had 6,000 and some change listings. And in their market were 6,000 and some change agents. Yeah. 
they had <laughs> as many agents as they had listings. And so I'm like, that's crazy with yeah. the fierce competition, you know, for the uh, for the real estate market. Sure. Again, here in Athens, there's people don't, that don't know, this is a small geographical area. Like, it's, we're not a huge metropolis. We're actually a small town. And, Thousand agents out there competing for the business. It's yeah. crazy. So you're also looking at. Correct me if I'm wrong here. There's still the mindset of we're going to going to Florida. The job may have, may work out. We don't know when. So are you looking at it from flexibility, or are you just kind of like, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore? No, we just tapped out of that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because we couldn't wait on them, and so uh, fortunately, my wife does. She works for the military, but she's a, uh, a private contractor, so she's a civil servant. So she doesn't have to go where they want her to go and so um because of that unknown we we couldn't put our hat in the ring for the job because then i couldn't get the job at gulf breeze high if we went six months later then you know i'm in limbo and you know we just we just said we'll figure it out here so she still had her um her job with the military and they let her work remotely which she still does today she works out of her house out of our house and uh Still works for the military, and she travels um, all over the world actually to do, uh, you know, go meet with people and ask them a lot of detailed questions and stuff like that. You know, I won't, I won't divulge too much, you know. But anyway, no. But she's she's a bad man, pajama. Um, but yeah, so for me, I had to figure something out, and I had a buddy of mine who was in real estate in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, one of the things that people talk to me about now, 15 years later, is, uh, you know, with with being successful, they say, oh, don't you wish that you had done real estate from the beginning? You know, imagine where you'd be now. And I say, no, you know, that's the, the 10 years I spent teaching, working with kids, working with other teachers, dealing with parents, dealing with referees, dealing with budgets and athletic directors. I mean, all of that has helped has helped me be the person I am. I mean, not even not even counting the connections that I made in a small town, because I came across, you know, 125 kids a day, some of whom have, you know, over the years have been clients, maybe their parents were clients, fellow teachers were clients. So that's just that. But just the experience that I think everybody out there should remember is like whatever you're doing now, even if you even if you're not super fired up about it, it will help mold you into what you do later. And how you tackle that job today is going to make a difference on how people view you in the next thing you do. I mean, if you're a, a, a waiter and you don't really want to be a waiter, but you're, you know, you're enthusiastic and you're good, someone's going to see it. You know? And I think that <clears throat> the, the 10 years that I spent teaching, I really enjoyed it because I enjoy the kids and I enjoy the interaction and having fun with them and trying to learn something. Um, and I realized that if I didn't keep learning as a teacher, that I'd become bored. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of teachers get burned out because they teach the same exact thing every year, you know, yeah. especially back then. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll age myself, but, you know, we didn't have Internet and Google. and You couldn't just look up, hey, there's a cool short story that, I get a short story a day on shortstory.com. You know, it was just like you had to work a little bit to find things to teach. Well, if you're in your 23rd year and you've always taught the same basic lesson plan, you're just kind of mailing it in for the last seven years until you get to retirement. And then you as a person, I think, start to 
kind of die a little bit every day, you know? So I try to be enthusiastic for myself, you know, and learn new things. And I'll be like, oh, I just read this cool story last night, guys. And and they were like, oh, well, you're enthusiastic about it. So we're going to be enthusiastic about it. And and I think that that's important for, for anyone listening to say, you know, I may want to be an entrepreneur and I can't do it right this second, but I'm going to learn something each day about being an entrepreneur. And then I'm going to try to utilize some skills mm-hmm. in my job or where I am currently. I mean, you might be even a student, you know, and, and a student, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're probably going to have to do some negotiating in your life. If you're a student and you want to you know, you want to raise your grade on your essay, you got to negotiate with your professor, you know? So how do you negotiate? You know, like I listen to podcasts all the time and, and I listen to, I I signed up for a masterclass, Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome. You know, is, is, I mean, it's, it's not cheap, but masterclass has, you know, a who's who of like almost every profession you could think of. And they're doing, they're giving you, you know, an hour and a half of like their insight. It was amazing to me, you know, it's like, this is the best value ever for me. And one I've been listening to recently is is a guy who was the lead um, hostage negotiator for the FBI. All right. And he he dealt with uh, bank robberies where they had hostages. He dealt with kidnappings. He dealt with overseas international hostage crisis and he's like how you talk to people you know the words that you say the tone that you say it in the you know reflection that you give people i mean that that's those are high stakes absolutely you know me as a real estate agent trying to get somebody to like throw in a refrigerator in a deal you know or like (laughs) hey can we get 1500 in closing costs? I mean, that's nothing compared to someone that's sitting there on the other line of the phone saying, we're about to kill these people if you don't do X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. So when I listen to that stuff, I'm like, wow, like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. You man. know, and so then I take that and I learn and I try to process that and say, that's kind of what makes my job interesting is that I'm always doing different deals and people say, well, what do you think they'll do? And I say, well, every everybody on the other end of the deal is different. That's right. So you try to learn about their motivation and you try to get some insight because information is power. And if you know that the seller doesn't need to sell, then that changes your philosophy on the negotiation if you know that the seller does need to sell. Sure. If you're trying to represent your people the best that you can. And so that plays into it and, you know. So it sounds like... Uh, from the beginning of yeah. teaching all the way through real estate through today, you're a huge fan of continuing to educate yourself and to learn for, yeah. for the energy, for the stories, for the impact, for the yeah. next level of success. That's something you've you've done from the start. Uh, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, we, we should all recognize that we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's, it sounds like a stupid cliche, but when <clears throat> when you're learning from somebody if you're opening yourself up to that, no matter how old you are, you know, like I mean, some of the, you know, the, some of the people that I follow on podcasts or read about, you know, the, the universal thing that most successful people that I follow is that they either read a lot or they continue to learn a lot through podcasts or 
things like that. It's like, you know, Warren Buffett still reads every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people are like, well, you know, it's like, why does he read? Well, it's not because he wants to make more money. He just, he wants to be smarter. He wants to learn more and be like, oh, that's interesting. Sure. You know, and, and that to me is, is a fuller life. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, if I won the lottery tomorrow and I never had to work again, I still want to learn mm-hmm. and, and, and be like, well, what, you know, what could we do to make a difference and, and, and make an impact? Absolutely. You know? I, I love the way you, you talk to our listeners about uh, just because where you're at right now might not be where you want to be, but it's molding you. It's the connections. You're shaping yourself, your reputation. That, mm-hmm. That's so awesome. I had somebody tell me, a friend of mine, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, he had a college degree. Uh, he took a job that was uh, on a level that was lower than his education or experience uh, qualified him for. And he told me uh, one day when I was asking him about it, he, he said, if if I'm not the best anybody's ever seen at this job, why wouldn't somebody hire me from something else mm-hmm. for something bigger? Mm-hmm. And that sounds like it's that same thought process. That, that 10, 12 years later, I still think about that uh, all the time because it – it does, no matter uh, what position you're in or, or where you're at in your career. It's it's molding and it's creating a reputation and reflection. And I think that's everything. When you were when you were first getting into real estate, uh, what year was that, by the way? What? Uh, I guess about 15, 16 years ago, so okay. early, early 2000s. 04, 05, <laughs> yes. pre-recession. Um, I came in, it was rocking and rolling for like two years. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I was like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> and then it then it went the other way. So so when you were coming in, was your personality, I want to be the biggest, best, most recognizable real estate agent in this town? Or how did you, what gave you the motivation and the confidence and the, just the ability to make such an impact from, from the start? Yeah, that's a good question. So I looked, <clears throat> I looked at the real estate people that I had been around, a small sample size, um, and I felt like most of them waited for business to come to them. And so when I got into the business, I had saved up some money over time, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, in most businesses. Um, like my brother owns restaurants, okay. <clears throat> so to open a restaurant, it's very expensive. I mean, you got to buy. Even if you buy somebody else's restaurant, you're still going to change out the chairs. Mm-hmm. The sign out front costs ten thousand dollars. You know, the first order of food is expensive. You know, it's it's expensive to get started. Well, part of what we were talking about the barrier for entry for real estate is the license is not that hard to get, and then you don't have to put any money into it. So I looked around and I always talked to a lot of people. I try to learn from them. And I say, well, what are you doing in, you know, your business? Well, you know, uh, I sent out some letters and I kept hearing the kind of the same thing. And I thought to myself, well, how does somebody stand out in a business where, you know, I'm not from this town. I haven't been to real estate school. I don't have a ton of connections in high places. So I'm going to have to do something and treat it like a business and try to market myself. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have any marketing background, but I just thought, 
all right, well, I'm going to have to pump some money into some advertising. And so uh, my first advertising was on the radio. Mm -hmm. That was when radio was still, you know, a lot of people listen to the radio, (laughs) you know, and now now they have Sirius, so they don't have to listen to uh, commercials. But I thought, all right, well, I like sports talk radio. So I just went on sports talk radio and I got a buddy of mine who was on the radio and he did my voiceover and, you know, called out my name. And then people said, I heard you on the radio. You must be doing well. So I thought, all right, if the perception is the reality, because I spent $500 on some radio ads and people now think I'm doing well, that's part of what business is, is if people think you're doing well, then they want to associate with a winner to a certain degree. Absolutely. And so uh, another funny part of that was I had had been in the uh, little side business, a side hustle. I used to uh, go down to Florida and buy cars. Okay. And I had a dealer's license, which was also easy to get. But when I was teaching, I would fly down to Orlando one way, and I would go to the car auctions that were only for dealers. Mm-hmm. And I had a line of credit, and I could buy probably five cars. Okay. And I would drive one home, and then the trucker would bring four others. <laughs> and then I would sell them to college students. And my goal was to make a 1000 bucks a car. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, you know, if I'd go down there every two weeks, make five grand, you know, my mother always said I was trying to support my teaching habit. (laughs) And and I really liked teaching. I didn't want to stop teaching, but I had to make alternative deal flow. So maybe I was a little bit of a, you know, and I've always been a sort of a hustler in that respect. But but I had, when I gave up uh, my dealer's license, I had a bunch of cars. Okay. And I didn't want to carry all the expensive insurance because I thought, all right, if I'm going to do this real estate stuff, then I'm going to just be all in on that. So reason for this story is that I traded a guy four cars, four like beater cars for a Lexus. Okay. <laughs> and it was it was like a five-year-old Lexus, but it was nice. And it, was, yeah. it had pimped out wheels. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was dark tinted glass. You know, oh, awesome. right? yes. And so he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll trade you. So we traded... And so I'd roll up in this pimped out Lexus. Oh, you're like the real estate And people were like, man, man, this guy is crushing it, you know? Yes. And I just, you know, so I was like, I I didn't lie, but I didn't correct anybody. I was like, I hadn't sold anything yet. But but anyway, so then that sort of, that that perception sort of went forward. And again, people were like, you must be doing well. Absolutely. You know? And they hear me on the radio. Um... Then I'll tell you the funny story. People in Athens know I'm, I have a lot of billboards. So the billboard was, again, total luck, serendipity. There was a billboard across from the office that I used to work at. Okay. Uh, you know, and the, my, first, my first company. And it is probably the preeminent billboard in town. It's the most traveled by billboard in, in all of Athens. Okay. So... One day I drove by it and it was empty. It was there was no more billboard on there. I mean, it was it was just a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the owner of the company and I said, you know, this this billboard's right across the street from our office. Like, you should get it and have a sign that like with an arrow, saying, sure. you know, come to our real estate office or whatever you want to put in there. And nothing happened. And a week later, I said to him like, 
I really think you should get that billboard. I mean, it's a great billboard. And, uh, you know. and so uh, in life, this has happened to me more times than I can tell you. But I've suggested things to people and they say no. And then after a while, I just sort of say, why don't I do that? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't I buy that real estate? Because I've been telling somebody to buy this building or this property and they don't do it. And then I say, I think it's a good deal. I keep telling people <laughs> it's a good deal and I believe in it. So I went and got the billboard. Okay. Yep. And so I put the billboard up. I spend a bunch of money on it. Well, everyone's like, wow, you must be doing great. Like, you're on the number one billboard in town. And it was only because they didn't have anybody else to take it. And they gave me, or I negotiated a deal. Did the billboard guy need a car? (laughs) He's like, he drives a Lexus now. Yeah, you know, he's like, guy with a Lexus calling about a billboard, you know. So I went up on that billboard. And everyone that drove by was like, wow, you're doing great. So no huge strategy no months of planning just sheer just uh, the opportunity and luck and opportunity yeah. and uh, so typical guy move to it sounds like you know i like sports talk radio yeah. i don't know throw that on sports talk radio which makes sense you were a coach right i mean you I was a coach to it. yeah and yeah. i you know i love the dogs and i would listen to it i think that one of the things i would tell you know entrepreneurs and the people that want to go into some sort of endeavor like that is it's it's good to be it's good to research, but at some point you just have to kind of go for it. You can't overthink it too much because then the idea or the deal or the time is gone, you know? And if you, it, not to be flipping about money, but if you go into a business and you have some money, then you got to make some decisions and say, you know, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, just knee jerk and spend all your money on Instagram ads. And then in six weeks you have no more budget and it's, it's all gone. But to a certain degree, you know, you, you kind of have to listen to your gut somewhat. Sure. And my gut was like, Hey boss, you should buy this billboard. And two weeks later it's still sitting there and I did it. Um, and that sort of transformed my business. Mm-hmm. Because back then, billboards weren't really that popular. I mean, people would drive by them and stuff like that. And, um, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier is, you know, I figured that when I looked at billboards, I would drive by them fast. And they always had a lot of information on them. I'm like, I don't know what I just saw. You know, and and, and here's another thing, going back to my teaching, is I would tell the students, like, it's not that I don't want to read a 10-page essay. But if you only got a page to talk about what you really need to talk about, then only do it in a page. Mm-hmm. Get to the point, make your story, and let's move on. But I don't need all the fluff in here in your essay because it's only slowing it down. Sure. So I took that same mindset to the billboard. And in the last 15 years, my billboards have like five words or less. Mm-hmm. And I want to get people talking about them. Uh, you know, the 2001 Space Odyssey movie doesn't talk for the first 45 minutes, but people talk about, why don't they talk about it? Or why don't they talk in that movie? <laughs> and so I was like, well, people are at least talking about it. So, so and you're I, known locally. Locally. Because of your billboards. That's like right. Everybody knows, and I'd say, we say locally, but I'm sure as you know, you've been a part of some major national brands and people 
they'd see on the leaderboard. They know who Rain is. They'd hear the stories of okay. your strategy. It, it helps that I have a, a name that stands out. But the know? thing is, as you're saying, no, no more, i got to ask you this question. Yes. Do you remember what was on your very first billboard? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what changed the billboards. I think I had, I think I had go with number one. Okay. And <clears throat> I had my picture go with number one. I had a number one finger in the air. And, you know, was I number one? My mom thought I was number one, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't like false advertising. It was just like, go with number one. You weren't you telling them to go with you. You were yeah. telling them to go with yeah, number yeah, one. Yeah. Who that is? Um, but, the, but the funniest part about, and I won't talk more about the billboards, but I'll, I'll give you this story that really propelled everything was when I did that billboard, I called them. They, they said like, hey, it seems going great. Like people are talking about it. And I said, all right, well, if you cut me a deal, they asked me if I wanted to do other billboards. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the budget to be like all over town all the time. Sure. You know? So I said, how about we'll do this? Um, I'll buy 20 at a time. All right, I'll buy 20 <laughs> billboards and then we'll space them. Like we'll do all the artwork because the artwork's expensive, but if you do the same exact billboard, it's cheaper. Right. And we'll do like various places around town. When, when you guys have a free, board because think about this the billboard companies oh. somebody's got it from june 1 to you know october 15th sure and their their event at the classic center is on october 15th so they don't need it after that and the next person doesn't need it until november 1 because they're going to market their christmas parade mm -hmm. okay so they got little places around town when you drive by you'll see it's an empty billboard and it doesn't last for very long but sometimes they're not going to just stick someone up for a short period of time. So I cut a deal with the billboard company where they had like 20 in their warehouse and they would just slap them up whenever it was free, okay, for like a month. And so we cut a good deal. It was good for them. It was good for me, you know. And uh, so on that billboard, I wore a uh, UGA, a Georgia football jersey and it had number one on it okay it's oh, yeah. a number one jersey and then in the right up at the chest point it had a little circle with the g on it that's uh -huh. that was that was the jersey back then and i was sticking with the go with the number go with number one theme so billboard comes out go with number one I'm wearing the jersey and i get a call from someone at university of georgia uh-oh and he says, uh, hi, my name is Alan Thomas, and uh, I work for University of Georgia, and I'm in the marketing department and the trademark department, <laughs> and you have violated a trademark <laughs> by wearing our jersey without our permission. And I was like, first I thought someone was punking me because, you know, it was like, you know, one of my friends phony phone calling me or something. You know? right. Turned out that it was not a phony phone call. And... Uh, and so he said, you know, I said, well, what, what, are, what, are, what are our choices here? And he says, well, you have to take it down. I said, all right, well, what if I don't? And he says, well, we'll have to put a cease and desist. And I wasn't trying to be like, what if I don't, sure. like in a negative way. Yeah. I was just like, so what happens if it stays up? Yeah. You know, like, do I get arrested and is it a <laughs> felony? Um, he's like, well, we put a cease and desist and we, our attorney will contact your attorney. You know, I'm like, well, what if I don't have an attorney? You know. <laughs> 
Anyway, so we went back and forth. And uh, I said, well, how long does that usually take? And he says, eh, you know, it could take a few months. But, you know, he, he said, I know who you are because I know you come to games. I know you're a big fan. We don't really want to get in a problem with a fan. Just, you know, we can't wear the jersey. Sure. And I said, all right, that's fair enough. I said, look, um, I bought some extra of these billboards. So how long do I have to get them up and take them down? And he said, I give you like three weeks. So it's art of negotiation. I'm like, I need six weeks. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> four weeks max. Because he said, you know, I'm getting calls from my boss because mm-hmm. they see your billboard and they say, did you agree to that? And I, you know, I, I got to tell my boss, no. So he said, I know the guy, I'll call him, you know? And, and so we had met a couple of times before. So I said, all right, four weeks done. I'll have, you'll never see that Jersey after four weeks. So he agreed to it. So I called the billboard company and I said, you got to put all 20 up <laughs> like right now. <laughs> all right. And they were like, well, I thought we were going to do it over the year. I said, all 20, and none of them can be up after this date. So they slapped up all 20 all over town. And Do you remember what year this is? This is, uh, we were not very good because I remember, I, my, my, I remember Georgia was not very good because I thought to myself, like, we're like eight and four. And this guy's calling me, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm out repping the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's not many people that are showing their true colors here. <laughs> Um, I guess it was 2005. Yes, this is like Matt Stafford's freshman year. Yeah, you know, we were so-so. Like, we were just barely so-so. And it wasn't, you know, Georgia football was was not what it is today. But, um, But anyway, so we put all 20 up. And again, the perception, oh, reality. Wow, yeah. And I stumbled backward into it. And everyone and their brothers like, I can't go anywhere in this town without seeing your billboard. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great, you know. And all of a sudden, the phone just was ringing, and people yep. were like, "We we're going into a bad slump here in real estate, and we need a pro. We need the best." So the thing I'd say to people sometimes about the market was, I was actually doing better when the market was bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, because. When the market's bad, there's not very many agents because nobody's making a whole lot of money. If there's a thousand agents and everybody's, you know, dying on the in the market, then there's not a lot of sales. And yeah. no agents are marketing at this and time. No no, agents why do you want to make yeah. another phone call and get rejected? They're at happy hour drinking the the cheap drinks, that's right? right? That's right. That's so, right. They're out there with billboards all over town. That's yeah. amazing. So, like, man, my business sucks. It rains. Got 20 uh, billboards around. And people were getting out of real estate. And people were, you know, so there were fewer, fewer people to choose from. And you felt like, hey, we're in a housing crisis. We got to sell our house. I can't just ask my buddy that lives down the street yeah. and I can't sure. ask the you know the person that plays tennis with my spouse because they seem nice. They're like this is serious. We got to get a pro. We got to get a shark in here. So they're like call that guy Rain. He seems like he's crushing it. He's driving this friggin' Lexus. He's got billboards <laughs> all over town and you know he's doing something right. And again, it was like got lucky got some but you know the point being is that i was in position to be lucky because sure. i had the 20 billboards i took a shot 
Um, you effect. seized opportunity. Yeah, yeah they now, said the book favors it, it, the bold, right? And you ran bold with it. A little bit. And then uh, just as coming full circle, I'll just finish that story with, so this Alan Thomas guy became a good friend of mine. And then uh, a year ago, he married one of my really good friends and they asked me to officiate the wedding. No, that's so awesome. I had to turn around and I got an online uh, certificate so I could marry people. And that guy is the one that was my first person I ever married. That is uh, cool. That's funny. Yeah, he's staying number one, too, in wedding officiating. Yeah, in wedding <laughs> officiating, I'm like, hey, I'm versatile. I'll do it. But, you know, that's that was a great, great relationship that, that I forged with him. And and, uh, and I was great friends with his, who was not his wife at the time, obviously. But... Um, uh, so, you know, it, it's it's like if you treat people right, you know, and, sure. and you're accommodating to a certain degree, you can build relationships. And, uh, you know, I think also it's a little bit of a tangent, but for any entrepreneur out there, really be thinking about the long game and building relationships, mm-hmm. because there will be a time as an entrepreneur where you can cut corners and you will have to look in the mirror and say, is this the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be, not always, but there'll be some deals that are gray area. You know, you want to, you want to make sure that you're, you're true to yourself and, and, and that you don't treat other people poorly in the entrepreneur game because your long, your long-term relationships will serve you so much more than the, you know, the desire to squeeze somebody for, something in the short term it's great just, advice you know. yeah it is man and it, so it's funny you say that because going back to, to right around the time period you're talking about with the billboards the market's terrible people are losing their homes i mean it's just it's, it's a nightmare situation i had a buddy of mine and he's like i gotta sell my house and the whole thing you just said he's like i know a lot of realtors but i'm gonna call rain mm. and he called you and he told me i was like so you're gonna list with rain he's like well actually rain told me that I shouldn't list right now that it wasn't a win for me. Mm. And again, we know this from the real estate market. A lot of people are like, man, you get the listing, just get the listing. And then you can figure out how to you know, navigate the sell the property mm. appropriately. But he's like, no, rain demonstrated his integrity and character and selling like, man, this isn't, we're not gonna be able to help you and teaching him the truth. And again, a lot of other agents, um, especially in that time where things were a little desperate, yeah. probably would have grabbed on the listing and try to figure it out from there. Right. So testament it's to you, like, man, that's awesome. Story to hear. And you always want to hear stuff like that after the fact and, but um, yeah, it's it, when you when you, I mean, it's it's cliches left and right. You know, there's never there's never wrong if, to do the right thing. But mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, you know, there are, are going to be times where you <clears throat> you have to check yourself. Sure. And and so when you're just starting out, the small deal seems super important. You know, don't compromise your integrity or don't compromise what you think is right um, or your relationships. Because when you've been doing it for a while, those same people that you know you you were good to and you were right on about a small deal, you know you're going to grow with your entrepreneurial people around you, your sphere of influence, your Rolodex. The same person that you're talking to that's 25 years old, you know, is going to be 40 one day, and they're going to have a whole lot more to invest in a potential entrepreneurial project. And if they know that you were solid with them on a really small thing, you know, that's going to carry a lot of weight. Sure. Absolutely. So this is just a wrap up question yeah. on the billboards. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know the story about the first billboard yeah. you got. Yeah. 
But if, I, if it's the one I'm thinking of, the guy you told to get it back in the day, does he have it right now? He does. Yes. Yeah, so you see, yes. he took your advice. It just yes, took, he it did. Took a yes, he did. I'm happy for them. Uh, this is always kind of awkward because I didn't. I don't work there anymore, and and then I worked at a different company, and I was like, if I was them, I'd be not really thrilled with seeing my face up there. <laughs> so I was just like, they asked me if I wanted to keep it going. I said, I think that you should call this group across the street and let them have yeah. it because. That's one that they should have. And I think they've yeah. had it pretty much for years now. They have. Yeah. I think that they know that if they give it up, that you know somebody else would get it. Somebody will be number you know, one over yeah, there. Yeah, man. I mean, I wouldn't be me, but um, but yeah. So that's been good. The, the billboards have been good. You know, we we uh, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, you have to give people confidence in you that that you're a horse that they should back. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and so how you do it, it's, it can be a hundred percent performance, but that's really hard because you're coming out of the gates. So as an entrepreneur, I think that you have to, you know, spend some money to, you know, to do some proper marketing, um, in real estate back then when I first started, uh, the newspaper was still really big. Mm-hmm. And so I was the first agent around here, or at least at the time, I was the only agent that I bought a whole, a whole page just for me. And I just marketed myself. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, and people were like, why aren't you marketing the houses? I'm like, the houses will come, but yeah. I want to market myself. And, uh, you know, everybody had like a little back then, you had the thumbnail in, sure. the, in the real estate magazine so if you went to lunch by yourself you'd pick up a little book outside the restaurant and you'd leaf through it and there'd be a little thumbnail Mm -hmm. and a tiny little house and uh and so again that was sort of a a gut thing i didn't research how many people were reading the newspaper at the time and all that other stuff but instead of just doing a thumbnail i just went big i bought a whole page and people were like what the heck you know, <laughs> you got a whole page. Well, why, you know, but I didn't have enough real estate listings to put in a whole page. So I was like, <laughs> so, yeah. so I might as well yeah. just be my big bald head in there and just like go with number one. But it stood out. You well, know? you've been unique in your marketing the whole time. Yeah, and as yeah. you say, go with number one. You've had, and this, it's so funny because for <clears throat> the people that are listening don't know that I had a background on the uh, on the back end of real estate yes. with the Realtor Association. So I got to verify the numbers, number one, which is mm-hmm. fun, seeing who was actually producing. I'm like, in all honesty, like, Rain's got the number one. And all that. I'm like, I wonder if he really is number one. And so I looked in the MLS. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's, yeah. It's legit. He's number one. But you've stated as a, as a top performer consistently and your marketing mentality, I don't know how it shifted and changed, but you'd have the billboards up mm-hmm. that would be a picture of you and said nothing about real estate. That's right. Nothing about real estate. And everybody else has got their company name on there. And of course, there's some you know legality to like, if you say you're in real estate, you gotta put your company, but but there's not, if you just put a picture of yourself on a billboard and say, be great today, I think it was one of the Be great said. today is still my tagline. Man, yes. it is awesome because if, if people move to Athens, yeah. they're like, who's this, who's this guy on the billboard with the, Hand raised, saying "Be great today," which again, curiosity. Oh, that's Rain. He's a real estate agent. He's awesome. Goes into that. So from your start, you get started with a big company. You leave that company, go to another big company, and then recently, in the last several years, mm-hmm. you've launched your own company. Yes. And what's cool is watching him through. For our listeners who are familiar with Robert Kiyosaki's Cash Flow Quadrant, 
and you know, you started out, you're an employee, you're a teacher, you're, I'm assuming you're probably thinking you're going to do that until you retire and then maybe do something else. You jump out of that to the S, to the self-employed, mm-hmm. and now you've got this business system. You're, so you're at the, you did the B. I know you're doing some of the I on the investing side. You've like lived out this Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant. But I'd love to hear about your real estate company, how you branched out with that, and then the theme behind it. Because, I, again, I think it's brilliant marketing, and it, it speaks to the character of who you are as well with the launch of your company. So tell us about Give Back. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, uh, super happy to talk about Give Back. So, um, like you said, I was with uh, the biggest company in town for probably like seven years. Then I was with the the newest biggest company for about five or six years um and you know kind of what i was talking about with teaching i think at some point i became a little bored with the business uh you know it's it's nice to help people but when i was teaching i felt like i was making a difference with 125 people every day and that might be a Pollyanna, like, you know, oh, you know, they're really listening to me when most of them maybe weren't. But um, <laughs> but you have moments when you're a teacher and a coach where you really, truly help someone or help their family or you see them succeed athletically. You see them at graduation and they're crying and they're going to college or they're something's good for them, you know, and you feel like, all right, I, I did something for somebody there. And. Real estate, you know, you can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what I was feeling. I was making money, you know, which is nice. Um, but when you're helping someone, you're just helping them get a better deal. You're helping them get $100,000 for the house instead of 98000 And that, sure. that helps them. That helps their family. That's all good. Um, but it's not, you know, fulfillment-wise, it's... Okay, you know, I'm doing my job. I'm good at it. And I had a lot of closings where I'd jump in the front seat of the car and I'd have a folder and there'd be a nice size check and a HUD statement. And I'd throw that on the passenger seat and drive off to the next thing. Sure. So nothing wrong with that. That's all good. But at some point, I kind of felt like I was missing what I had from the teaching and the coaching experience. The... The, the true ability to help people um, on a daily. And not just like, oh, I, I went to Habitat for Humanity and I banged some nails one day and sure. I got a t-shirt and we took a selfie, you know, <laughs> uh, which is fine too. But so the story of Give Back, which, which most people don't know, but <clears throat> is uh, we were actually at a realtor banquet and it's it's funny because the banquet is coming up this Friday for our for our board office. Okay. And realtor uh, realtor banquet is, is all the real estate agents, and we go and we dress up and we have some speeches and we get some awards, and most of the awards are based on monetary performance. Sure. And uh, it's an interesting place to go because, you know, you're with all your competitors, <laughs> and you're sitting there and everyone's you know talking it up, but it's the same people that you competed with six hours earlier that day for a listing appointment, mm-hmm. you know? And I like, I, and I like people, so I have nothing against realtors, but um, I remember sitting there that night and the person that was speaking uh, was talking about giving back. 
And I was listening, and it really like resonated with me. And I said, "Yeah, you know, that's 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 right." And at the at the end of the speech, the person said, "And that's why we all need to donate money to RPAC, which is a lobbying group in Washington that represents real estate agents." And and so for me, like the balloon just popped, you know, it just fizzled out right then and there. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, well, that's not where I thought this was going, you know, and I understand, excuse me, I understand that, um, that having a lobbyist in your corner is helpful for the business. And I, and, and they probably helped me make money because sure. they passed certain things that helped me, I guess. And, you know, I donated because it came in the invoice and I had always, you know, checked the box or whatever. Um, or I think I did, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but but I thought that the whole speech was going somewhere else. Right. And the next day, I drove to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and one of my really good friends is a, is a football coach, and his family is really close to our family, and he moves around jobs a lot, as as college football coaches do. Mm -hmm. So wherever he goes, I go watch a game or I go visit him some shape or form. And he had called me and he says, I'm up at Chapel Hill, you know, I knew he was there. He said, hey, we're, we're playing Duke. And I know you're a big basketball fan and we got a bunch of recruits in and you know, I can get you a ticket if you want to come up here and see me. So I was like, heck yeah, you know. Duke, On the way. <laughs> Duke, North Carolina, like you don't have to ask twice, you know. So I drove up there by myself and I had 10 hours round trip by myself. And I kept thinking about that speech and about giving back. I know it sounds mm -hmm. kind of corny, but when you're in the car by yourself, like, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but sometimes I just turn off the everything. Sure. And you find yourself sometimes with your best ideas when it's just totally dead quiet, you know? And so that car trip, I thought about give back. And when I got home, I started putting the plan together to start a company called GiveBack. And so we started GiveBack Real Estate. Uh, that was in, in March, because I still have the ticket in my closet when I change clothes every day. The, the basketball ticket's there, because it That's reminds cool. me of some important day in my life. And sure. that was right when I uh, thought about doing GiveBack. And uh, so we started the company October of that year. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a long-winded story, I won't tell all of it, but <clears throat> when I was looking for space, I went around and I looked at all these little offices here and there, and a lot of the, um, a lot of the books said, you know, start small, just get a really cheap office, you're just starting out. And I said, you know, where do I wanna be? Where, where do I want to drive to every day? What would bring inspiration to me? And I didn't want to be in a strip center or I didn't want to be in an office park because mm -hmm. I just, for me, it wasn't, that, that wasn't my vibe. And, and so I started looking around for better spaces. And um, here in Athens, uh, for people who haven't been here, the, the main through fair is a street called Millage Avenue. And Millage Avenue is is like the historic street. It's got all the Greek houses, 
and it's sort of the north-south through fair. And uh, I must have driven by this building a thousand times. And there was a giant sign out that said for sale. <laughs> and I just kept driving past it, driving past it, driving past it, you know. And one day I called about it, and, and a buddy of mine, we went and looked at it. And uh, long story is, we, we ended up buying the building. Go big or go okay. home. And everyone's <laughs> like, are you crazy? You know, I mean, it's an expensive building. It's a big building. I'm like, we can rent it. And I even forgot to tell you this part about it, but our, our, the biggest tenant we got is a guy named Alan Thomas from the <laughs> University of Georgia. I called him. I'm like, hey, you need some space? And he's like, yeah, we actually do. And they took 8,000 feet in our building, that is the University awesome. of Georgia marketing department. Um, so like I said, keep your, keep your relationships That's good, fantastic. even when someone calls you and says, we'll, we'll get our lawyer on you. Um, but we, uh, we bought the building, and we renovated it, and we started Give Back there. And, uh, <clears throat> and so Give Back's premise is that every agent that works at Give Back agrees to donate 10% of every commission that they get to a local Athens area nonprofit. And uh, since we were just kind of making it up as we went along, I thought at first, I thought, well, we'll just let people pick whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Then we don't have to fool with it. And then some people said, well, you should have like an endowment or some sort of a whatever, you know, organize, organized thing. And I, I didn't really want to do that because then I have to run something like that. And I think entrepreneurs out there should know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Sure. Don't try to be like, oh, I, I think I should really learn how to do my own taxes. If you're really crappy with numbers and organization and stuff like that, just pay somebody to do it. Go do the thing that you do well. Make money doing that and pay somebody to do the things you don't do well. Um, like, I don't change my own oil. It's not that I'm too good for it. It's just somebody else can do it in 15 minutes. It's 30 bucks. And then... You know, if it took me two hours, what could I do in two hours to make more money? So as an entrepreneur, I think people are oftentimes like, I'm going to do everything. You know, they're going to do everything in their new business because they don't right. have a budget. But then they get so thin that they're not really doing what they're really good at. So like if you're an entrepreneur and you're, I don't know, making coffee and you got the news best grounds of coffee, like just do your coffee and get somebody else to do other things. Sure. Like the packaging and the marketing or whatever. So anyway, um, so so at Give Back, we um, we decided that, or I decided, I guess, to a certain degree, um, everybody had to give in ten percent. How I came up with that number was just arbitrary. It seemed like a reasonable number, but I didn't do any great research on it. I didn't overthink it. And then I found out that there's about five hundred nonprofits in Athens, Georgia. Wow. In a town of 100,000 plus. So I thought to myself, I don't have to research 500 nonprofits to make sure that they're all legit. So what number sounds good? I was like, how about 20? <laughs> That's what we went with. All right. You know, again, didn't overthink it. <laughs> Go with your gut. Right? Go with your gut. Come up with a number. Ask your wife. Like, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, whatever, you know. So we put 20 and we made it 20. And then I tried to look on the list of 500 and I tried to say, all right, 
what would be something because we let the client choose so that's one of the mm -hmm. keys is that if you sell or buy a house through give back then 10 percent of the commission check is cut from the attorney's office directly to the nonprofit, and you get to choose which of the 20 that you want the money to go to so another nice thing about that was that i didn't have to you know i didn't have to choose for them Sure. Or didn't go in a rotation and somebody says, man, we got the $400 commission check and they got the $4,000 one. So part of it was that it, then I didn't have to fool with it, you know. And so we tried to choose 20 that we think speaks to everybody. Mm -hmm. So there's some, um, there's some about like, you know, housing. There's some for food. There's some for mental health. There's some for physical health. There's some for animals. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, project safe, which is a big one here in town and they, you know, deal with domestic violence and stuff like that. So, so when the client looks at the list, there's a little blurb, a sentence or two about each one, and then a hyperlink if they're looking online and they can learn more about it and then they get to choose. So we feel like that empowers the client, which is nice. Um, that's awesome. Do you feel like the calls behind the the commission and the donation, does that help motivate the agents involved to, to perform at a higher level or, or to I, I put more so. effort into it, the process? I, I think it does to a certain degree that once you've experienced a give back, mm -hmm. it's really powerful. And I don't want to mean I'd be like soppy about it, but every agent that comes like, oh yeah, you know, I think what you're doing is cool. And then when they go on their first one, because part of what we mandate is that the agent has to go to the give back. They have to go to Nucci yeah. Space, or they have to go to Project Safe. They have to meet with the people, and they have to hear about the work that they're doing from the people that are there. So like an example is like we have Athens Nurses Clinic here, okay? Mm -hmm. And they help basically indigent people with medical care, dentistry, first, you know, basic stuff. Um, when you go to their office, you go by uh, probably on any given day, 20 to 60 people that are just kind of hanging out outside. If you can get the visual, it's not, you know, it's not the most pleasant place sure. to go. And sometimes the agents are like, whoa, this is kind of intense, you know. But when they go upstairs and they give that check, I mean, the people that work at Athens Nurses Clinic, they all come out. They give you a huge hug. You don't know how much this is helping us. Thank you so much. Um, that's the experience that I want the agent to get. And, and we really, really encourage the client to go too. Okay. Oh, that's a great and idea. And we really yeah. want the client to experience that, not only because, you know, we want them to, I guess, see where the money that we're donating, you know, like the client gets to choose, but it comes out of the commission of the agent. So the agent's really paying for it. Sure. But, we're hopeful that the experience that they have, not so much on a business sense, but it, you know, sure it'd be nice if it passed forward, but like when they have that experience, they take that experience with them and they say, I went to the nurse's clinic and man, I can't believe what they're doing there. It's amazing. Like they're helping these people and so on. And we've had people that have like gotten involved to do Meals on Wheels themselves. Mm -hmm. We've had, we had one yesterday, I, I posted on social media today, um, one of our agents went to ESP, mm -hmm. which is extra, extra, extra special people, excuse me, um, 
that is uh, an organization here. It's an amazing organization in the Athens area that deals with uh, kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, an amazing group. Well, the client matched the donation that we made. Okay. So that's a really Whoa, cool yeah, experience. So now that clients pay it on their own. Now project. they're invested in it. Yeah. And they're feeling it. You know, they're experiencing it, what it's like to give back. So like I said, people have given back their own money. They've given back their time. They've gotten involved with organization. We have people that have been clients that are now on boards of the give back that they got involved with because the the group sends them a thank you note. And they're like, well, I'd like to learn more about, you know, the cottage or Project Safe or whatever the group is. And again, they're all groups that are here in Athens. So we're, even though we, you know, it's great to have nonprofits all over the world and all over the country, but we got enough that we could do here. So it has to be something that's here locally. And so when they go experience it, um, then they really feel like what these people are doing here locally. And, uh, and so again, we donate 10%. And as an entrepreneur, going back to the theme of your show, um, that is a tough sell. Sure. You're asking people to give up 10% of their salary and you're trying to be an entrepreneur and say that this is not a charity business. You know, we're a real estate company. We want to be number one. We want to be the best. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to give up 10% of your salary, you know? (laughs) And some people are like, that sounds like a lot. You know, it's like, well, it is a lot. It's a lot to ask. But as an entrepreneur, when you are starting out your endeavor, you have to create a value proposition for Mm -hmm. whoever you're working with. If you're an entrepreneur trying to raise capital, if you're an entrepreneur trying to get somebody to come in with you and be your partner, um, someone to work for you, someone to buy your product, what is your value proposition? So um, my value proposition to people that interview at GiveBack is sort of a threefold. Um, I say one, when you come here and you donate 10%, it's great for the group that gets your money. Two is it's great for your soul because you go there and have this experience and for whatever amount you give, it is not necessarily a corollary, but like you'll walk out of there feeling like, wow, I feel good about myself. And you know, we all need that. And three, if you really want to crunch it into a business type of thing, I say to them, if somebody chooses you because you work for GiveBack, then there's your marketing dollars. Okay. If you get, absolutely, if yeah. you give up 10%, uh, over the course of a year and you give up, say you, say you made a hundred thousand dollars in commissions and you gave up 10%, which is $10,000. All right. You're, you're 10,000 into that. Supposing one person called you and said, I know what you're doing and I appreciate it. And I want you to come and sell our $350,000 house. Okay. In Georgia, a typical, not always, but a typical commission is 6%. Mm-hmm. And the listing side gets 3% and the buying side gets 3%. So if you're getting 3% of a $350,000 sale, there's $10,000. Get your money back in one sale. One sale. Okay. So as a business model, you know, I didn't start it for that, but 
I try to say to people who object about the money, I say, well, look, all you got to get is one client in 365 days at that price point. And you have a story to tell. You know, people like a story. What separates you from the other 1,000 agents? You know, you might not have all the billboards like Rain does, and you might not have a ton of capital to start with to invest in marketing over the top. But you have a story to tell, and the story doesn't always have to be about you. Um, there's a book that I read, I think it's called Story Brand. And Story Brand talks about how you know, people don't want you to be the hero. They want to be the hero of the story. Okay, so the client is the hero of the story when they choose the Boys and Girls Club and they come over there and they get a picture with 30 kids and those 30 kids are like, this money is going to help us with a ping pong table. Thank you. You know, and the people are like, I'm the hero. It's not their money, but they're the hero of the story because they chose the Boys and Girls Club. So, you know, we haven't been in business for long enough to know if it's totally working in sure. terms of like getting agents, but we're up to 26 agents oh, wow. in, you know, in two years. That's fantastic. And I'm super proud to say that in over just over two years that give back is given back to our community today. I think we're at like $334,000. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's and did I see somewhere you have a goal ten million dollars? Ten million dollars, which is cool because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was that was was it within that like uh, what's what's the future hold? But you yep. identified it. Now this is funny too because I hear this on podcasts all the time, but I hear them say like, "Unfortunately, we're out of time." And now that I've been doing the podcast, yeah. like I get it because you start rolling and yeah. we get into the story. I'm like, yeah. I can keep you here for hours. Yeah. I've got like 10 more questions. Oh, we yeah. have to do a part two. We got to do a part two. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But the cool thing with what you're doing, Rain, is that, as you mentioned earlier, you know, people are making a difference if they're real estate agents. You're helping somebody find their, you know, their dream home maybe or, you know, help them get the best deal for their property. And so there's making a difference there. But you've set up an entire system where people aren't just making money. They're legit making a difference. Like your agents are making a difference. The seller is making a difference. Like you just, the system in and of itself is built for people who don't want to, don't just want to make money. They want to make a difference. And again, you have people subscribe to this, like you got a big goal for the future. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. Now that being said, we wouldn't be making a difference for our real estate audience that's listening. If we didn't ask you to give a little bit of feedback on maybe three things here. Um, one is, Maybe favorite favorite book that impacted your real estate career, favorite podcast yeah. that you're listening to, and then one piece of advice that you could give to someone that who's maybe that rain from several years back that's just getting engaged and starting their their entrepreneur adventure in the real estate yeah. industry specific. So if you can give us those the, the book, the podcast, and the piece of advice, mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to wrap up with that. Sure. Uh, the one book I don't know if there's one book I like to read a lot of books. Um, Jesse Itzler is somebody who I've been reading lately, and uh, his books are, are humorous, but they're also motivating. Um, so the books that I read are, are sort of typically about being your best you, and it, it not so specific on you know how to build a business. I think if you're true to yourself and you're you're being your best you and you're enjoying it and in, in in the process, I think one thing a lot of entrepreneurs are if you're not doing what you really want to do, 
then you're kind of miserable. If you're sure. if you're just doing a job to do it, you know, it's like there's the, the margin between the best basketball player and someone who's just okay is probably the passion that they have for it. If you if you you know, my wife has run 117 marathons. Okay, 26.2 miles every marathon. She loves to run. Okay, so she's out there running because she loves to do it. Now me, I exercise every day because I feel like I should and I feel a little bit better when I'm done. But realistically, I'm not that super motivated. So with give back, I'm super motivated to raise $10 million. Someone like Jesse Itzler writes about, you know, the motivation of um, what makes him tick every day and getting up and getting after it. And, and typically, I think the people who are super successful um, that I've read, it's not all about the money. You know, they just, they just a little cliche again, but you know, they, they wanna have some legacy. If you made $20 million and you're miserable, that's no legacy. You know, that's yeah. just a crappy life and you got a bunch of money and you're miserable. But if, you, um, if you're doing something that you like, so I you know, we'll go into the third question about entrepreneur or, or advice is, you know, for an entrepreneur, if, if everyone tells you like you should invest in real estate or flip houses, but you don't really like flipping houses, then you're, you know, you're not going to get up and be pumped to do it. And entrepreneurship is hard. It's like when we started Give Back is, you know, it's me and me and a couple people and um, got expenses and, you know, it's like, is this going to work? Is anyone going to want to join our company? Is anyone going to want to sign up with a new agency instead of choosing one of the big agencies? Um, but if you believe in it, then it's an easy sell because you have to sell yourself first, you know, and going to podcast. I listen to a lot of Grant Cardone. Um, I went to his seminar in Las Vegas a couple years ago, and that was really good. And I've been taking his um, classes. I've done probably like 1800 modules of Grant Cardone wow. sales training. Um, and, you know, that's been good. So I would say that that would be what I would recommend to people is do what you want to do. Uh, read books about people that are interesting to you and podcast. Uh, for me, Grant Cardone, Jesse Itzler, Lewis Howes. Those are the people I listen to the most. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for being here with us today, man, on the Entrepreneur Adventure. I think, yeah, we got to get you back in the studio sometime soon because there's so many more questions that I have. Awesome. Man, so. I had a great time and I appreciate it. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but uh, it's been fun. Thank you. You brought guys. it, man. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Entrepreneur Adventure. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please be sure to like and subscribe to The Entrepreneur Adventure wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.theentrepreneuradventure.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And remember, the Entrepreneur Adventure does not have to be traveled alone, but is a journey to be shared. We'll catch you next time on Entrepreneur Adventure, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before.